This is episode 70 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 70 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have George L. Mastery on the show. You might know George as the host of the Well Off Podcast. He came on the show to talk about his real estate investing journey, and we specifically broke down one of George's case studies today. It's a fiveplex that he is just in the process of purchasing as of the time of the recording of the episode, and we get into the numbers. We get into what I like to refer to as sensitivity, and that's looking at the different assumptions you have about your cash flow in testing them to see how they'll affect your numbers. I've mentioned this a lot, but numbers really can lie. So it's important that we dig into our assumptions and make sure that they're valid. And we test the assumptions that are subject to change. Things like maintenance, property taxes, and insurance can be a variable. Cities can change property taxes. They can reassess your values. Insurance policy rates can go up. I've seen it in the past year. I've seen rises of as much as 25% on mine. I've heard other people say that their, their increases are even more than that. So you need to be prepared. And this is why it's so important to have an abundance of cash flow in deals that you do. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily need to have cash flow on day one, but you do need to have a plan. And this is just my personal opinion. This is not advice. This is how I conduct my business. And of course, it's up to you to decide for yourself how you would like to proceed. And of course, speak with your investment advisors and what have you. But uh, I just thought I'd share my two cents. And we really did dig into it in the episode with George here to talk about this specific deal and how he is making it work and how many different ways he can make it work. So he's got his plan A, uh, he's got his plan B and his plan C, and there's several different things that he can do. He's okay with this deal taking a few years if it if it comes to that. It does seem like it's a pretty interesting opportunity, and I'm excited to see how it turns out for him. Given the nature of the numbers of this episode, some of you who haven't been following the podcast for long might not be able to follow along with all the numbers. If you do find yourself having trouble, please make sure that you go to my website, andrew-hines.com forward slash cash flow and you can download my cash flow analyzer spreadsheet so that you can actually sub in these numbers yourself and see how they're calculated you can learn about cap rates you can learn about debt coverage ratio uh, these are fundamental numbers in a real estate investors toolkit uh, and it's stuff that is very important to get comfortable with using as always i'd just like to ask you a quick favor that if you have not already done so please rate and review this podcast please like subscribe and hit the notification bell on youtube and if you think this episode or this podcast might benefit somebody else please share share it with them. It'll really help it grow and I'd really appreciate it. In some other news, I just wanted to make a comment very quickly about the situation going on in the world right now. Uh, As of the recording of this, it's June 12th and what I've really noticed is, and I've said it on a couple other podcast episodes, but Free thinking and free expression seem to be the new counterculture these days. Uh, I've seen a lot of bullying. I've seen a lot of uh, groupthink and some pretty crazy stuff going on. Uh, right now, as of right now, there's an occupation in Seattle, Washington. There's a, a special area of the city that's been taken over by Antifa. And uh, it's basically an insurgence. They're calling it a free zone, technically outside of the U.S. Of course, it's not officially recognized as that. Um, we just had the city council in Minneapolis unanimously uh, elect to disband the police force 
and uh, institute their own city-run uh, department. No one really seems to know what that means. Uh, and, and to me, there's there's just a lot of knee-jerk reaction going on to a lot of situations, which I'd really prefer not to get into the details of. But my point here is there's a lot of emotion involved, and there really is due process that's supposed to happen when you make these kind of changes. Um, LA cut their, their police funding budget by $150 million, and they've already seen crime spike. Um, I want to come out here and say that I strongly support our police force and everything that they do. Uh, there's a lot of very, very wonderful people that are police officers. Of course, there are many bad apples too, but our system is in place to weed those people out over time and we need to stay the course. That's my opinion. Uh, of course, I'm always open to reform. I'm always open to investigating further and finding out where there are problems, uh, but I, I stand firmly for our police force and for the good people that uh, work to protect our communities. And I just want to ask you, it's very, very important to please continue to challenge ideas and stand up for what you believe is right. Guys, I know this is a little bit tangent to real estate discussion, but our world is at a very critical turning point right now uh, with everything that's happened with COVID and now into these uh, race riots. Yes, they are riots. They were riots. Uh, 18 people died uh, so far, uh, in addition to George Floyd, uh, including uh, eight black people, which were not mentioned or covered on the news. And I just find that incredibly hypocritical. I think every one of the people who died in those riots needed to be recognized. And uh, I just see media con- misconstruing things right now. And I just, again, really want to ask everyone who's listening to this podcast, please make sure that you are standing true to you. You're standing true to what you believe in, what you know is right. Uh, because I really, really do think everything happened right now is going to be remembered in history. This is a very, very pivotal moment. And uh, just my opinion, I wanted to share that. I, I've, I've kept mostly silent about my th- feelings and thoughts about all this stuff in recent podcast episodes because I don't want to detract. Uh, however, I did just want to say that. And uh, without further ado, thank you so much for your continued support, for continuing to listen and watch and uh, share this podcast with your friends and family. I love that people are doing that and I love to hear all your feedback uh, and the people that it is helping. So thanks so much. Please enjoy episode 70 with George L. Mastery. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have George L. Mastery. I think I said it right, but you can correct me if, uh, if need be. No, that's How you right. doing? I'm doing right. well, thanks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, you recently had me come on and talk about social media on your show. And um, so now we're having you on mine and uh, we're going to talk about real estate and what you're up to. So uh, George, uh, I'm sure plenty of people are not familiar with you. Uh, so could you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? I guess I'll, I'll start off by saying that uh, I'm a realtor and investor. I am getting married this year, so I will be a husband soon. And um, Congrats. Yeah, thanks. So hopefully everything goes well uh, with everything going on, but uh, definitely planning on getting married. So yeah, I guess that's a little bit about me. What's the date? It's supposed to be Thanksgiving of this year. Okay, so hoping that we can shake hands by that point. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, I. Uh, so my wife and I, we got married uh, June thirtieth, twenty nineteen. Cool. And we're just talking about how uh, how grateful we are that we didn't try and do it in twenty twenty because we had talked about it and then we decided to, to push and do it in twenty nineteen. But uh, wow, would she ever have been just spazzing out. Uh, I mean, vendors wise cancellations, deposits. I mean, I can only imagine our stress level would have been, uh, pretty, pretty through the roof. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm hoping for the best for you. I'm hoping you're able to, uh, to get things, uh, 
uh, sorted for then and we're all able to uh, to get back to normal by then. I hope so too. I know a lot of people, I feel for the people that were supposed to get married like this summer or whatnot because they've already uh, canceled. Like you, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you put down your deposit, you're there's a chance you're not getting it back because a lot of venues are, are do a non-refundable deposit. And if you yeah. don't want to wait till next year or two years from now, then you're kind of in a tight spot. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate, but I mean, it's like everybody's in that position, right? I mean, all these business owners and, you know, I, I say it again. I mean, I, I think our politicians, like, you know, I, I heard they had given themselves a raise. Uh, meanwhile, all business owners have been offered a, uh, a line of credit or a loan that they have to pay back. And uh, yeah, they can get the $2,000 to live on. But I mean, there are people who, who their overhead costs are 5000 6000 8000 you know, a month. Uh, that's nothing. You know, we're just watching all these businesses go under. It's really horribly, horribly unfair. And uh, I'm really, I'm really hoping that, uh, that I can be a voice for them and, uh, you know, that we all need to speak up for them so that we can keep, you know, them as part of our very, very important culture and what makes Canada great. Uh, because people aren't going to want to immigrate here if we, if we don't have any businesses left and we don't have any culture left. So right. here's hoping, right. Yeah. Uh, that we can, we can get back to, to normal. But, uh, George, when did you become a realtor? 2013. I started at the end of 2013. Actually, I um, I used to work for um, a tech company. I don't know if you guys have heard of Flip or if you've heard of Flip, I should say. Um, the app on your phone? No. Yeah. So it's like a, a shopping app. It helps you identify what stores have what on sale. So like if you're looking for chicken that's on sale, it'll show you all the grocery stores that week that have it or whatever. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I, I work with them after graduating from U of T and then I decided what, or I was thinking, what can I do every single day and be happy doing it when I wake up and just feel motivated to work and, and real estate was, was what I thought of. So 2013. What did you study at U of T? I did a, a specialist in international relations, a major in economics and a minor in French. Ah, an economics major. Yeah, don't ask me about economics. I don't remember much. <laughs> I was about to say we can uh, we can uh, have at it with uh, with economics talk. Uh, yeah, well, love the economics. Thing, the thing about uh, economics from from university, the, I just feel like the things that I learned were uh, a little bit impractical in some ways because I remember like deriving uh, a variance, which was a way to measure a stock's risk or something. And I literally just memorized all the steps to doing it. I I don't think that would ever be useful to me. But yeah, I I mean, I learned a lot from university, but uh, just a couple things from my economics degree that I don't remember too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was more referring to to macroeconomics and and just kind of the idea of supply and demand, central banking, and, and our monetary system, which I think is just so critical right now, which is the um, you know the very the very very important other side of the conversation of why you know the argument against lockdown and, and continuing this, but uh, mm-hmm. um, that's not something we need to to dig into right at this very moment. So uh, you got in uh, to being a realtor at 2013, mm-hmm. and uh, when did you become an investor? I became an investor in 2017. Actually, I bought my first place in Hamilton. Okay. Place in Hamilton. What'd you buy? I bought a single family home. It was a a rundown property. Funny enough, uh, at that time, I was looking to possibly buy with with my cousin, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, We walked into that home the first time and I literally told him, like, you go have a look. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to look through this home. It was just so dirty and filthy and, and nasty. But a few weeks later, I, I looked back and I thought, this is a good opportunity. I ended up buying it by myself. Okay. So it was a, when you were showing a client and then you just decided I'm going to buy it? No, no. I was, I was showing him like we were looking together. We were looking to buy something together. Oh, okay. Okay. And you said it was single family or? Yeah. Single family home. It was, it, it is zoned like there, it is possible to have it as a duplex, but uh, there would be some underpinning and, and other things required to, to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying the basement isn't low enough for the headroom right. required. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's not a cheap job. I know some people get into it, but it uh, it can really add up because the manual labor required to haul all the concrete and dirt out of the basement. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah there's lots. And then you pretty much, because it's already a finished basement, so you'd have to tear it all open. And uh, so you're paying to for the demolition, plus you're paying mm-hmm. to rebuild it and all that. So you could be talking like over 150 grand. Just for the lowering of the of the basement. Pretty much, I, well, yeah. to low, to underpin and to to, to refinish. Finish. Yeah, and I guess uh, you know another big factor there is how far down you're going, and uh, I know that uh, that the number can can really add up if you're trying to go down a foot. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. having to underpin versus well, you could also step in, so that's when you actually bench your footings and 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 step them into the unit, but then you lose space. So uh, yeah. it's I've never done it. That, that's one of those things that I always wanted to try. I wanted to get a project with enough profit in it that I could mm-hmm. kind of gamble a little bit if that costed more than it should or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I think that that's one of those niches. If you were really good at lowering basements, all of a sudden this type of property that most investors say, "Nah, I don't want to deal with that." Uh, now all of a sudden that becomes an opportunity. And I've, I've noticed that ever since business school, you know, it's always the people who, who have a lot of success, they think creatively and they kind of find an opportunity in what other people don't want to deal with. So I would love to get into, uh, and get into doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. It'll eventually happen. I'll find a project that, uh, that it makes sense to do it and I'll do it. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, I was, I was working with a, or yeah, I'm working with a, an investor coach and he's the one who was kind of pushing me to find out. And that's how I knew that it was going to cost about 150 grand. Uh, but he was always challenging me, like, what's the highest and best use of your property? Every mm-hmm. single property he's always asking. So um, yeah, underpinning is, is definitely something that can add yeah. a lot of value. Well, and, and if you think strategically, where is that going to be most common? Uh, Toronto pre-COVID would have been a place where a single unit, because of the rent it could get at the time, uh, their rents are way down now, but I mean, a single unit might have got $2,000 a month or $2,500 a month, depending on where and what and how big and how how nice. So, uh, you know, it might just make sense to invest a couple hundred grand in, in, uh, in refinishing it and digging it out and underpinning. So, um, whereas you wouldn't do it in a small town where, you know, your rents are a thousand bucks. Yeah. And also you got to think about what's going to be the after repair value. Is there going to be enough mm-hmm. uh, in there to draw out if not all, well, at least most of the money mm-hmm. you've invested? Well, yeah. And for, for Maltese where you're, where you're beyond, um, five units, they're looking at a cap rate, they're looking at a rate of return. So if you're adding 2,500 in income, that's going to directly impact your value. Uh, I love working in, in concrete numbers, uh, and, and less speculation, but, uh, you know, of course there's a certain level of speculation we're always going to be doing. Um, especially now with, with values and, and rents just being so all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe before we get into to more about your portfolio, uh, tell, tell us about what you're seeing in the marketplace. Um, like what's your prime market? Are you Hamilton? Are you Oakville, Toronto? Like where do you like to transact? 
Yeah. So my office is in, in Oakville, but I actually, I grew up uh, in Mississauga and Brampton. So I do a lot of transactions in those two cities. Mm-hmm. Um, however, for investment purposes, I, I do a lot in Hamilton. I'm starting to venture out into Welland and St. Catharines as well. Okay. So you've got a pretty, like a 200 kilometer uh, span <laughs> that you're servicing. Yeah. Uh, well, so- I don't really sell in like St. Catharines or Welland or anything. I just look for opportunities there for, for okay. investments. Yeah. Okay. So if you see something worth looking at, you'll go out and you'll look, but, uh, yeah. okay. Um, are you seeing the market? Uh, are you still seeing growth? Are we seeing a contraction in prices? Uh, obviously seeing things slow down, but, uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Well, I get these, uh, statistics from broker Bay, which is a platform that brokerages use to, uh, book showings and also to register offers. And they send out uh, statistics uh, on a regular basis. I just got an email recently from them saying that showings are up, offers registered are up in the last sixty days. And I was looking at um, I was looking at a chart from the last ninety days. And although we were at a significantly higher amount, I think it was like twelve thousand showings booked. Uh, I don't know if that was for the day or for the month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to today, which is closer to about four or five thousand showings booked. Uh, so obviously compared to where we were, it's much lower, but it's significantly higher than it was, uh, 30 days ago or 60 days ago. Now for showings, are people having to make a conditional offer before they go in for a showing or are you able to see a property without that? Uh, not necessarily. Every brokerage has different protocols. I booked a showing recently where, uh, the agent sent me a form to sign and have the client sign as well to indicate that we're not feeling any, we're not feeling ill or we don't have, we haven't traveled. We had to initial sign everything before they would release um, or, or approve the showing. Mm-hmm. Man, I just can't wait till this is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very firm in the no new normal uh, stance. I, I, there's, I like shaking hands and dealing face to face and not standing six feet, feet away from people. And, uh, you know, beauty is, you know, May 26th, we had the CDC came out and, and, and announced like confirming, you know, uh, the numbers are actually way, way lower than, uh, you know, as far as infection rates. So I'm hoping that we see some, some, you know, balanced, uh, response now, now that we know a little bit more accurately, yeah. but, uh, we'll see. What are your thoughts? Like, what do you think, where, where are you seeing things go, uh, from your, from your end? Uh, well, I know like for, if you're asking me like from a real estate perspective, I know that I'm dealing with a lot of people, uh, especially the, the, the people that I speak to are, are generally older. Um, and a lot of them are afraid to be in contact with others right now. So uh, if they were thinking about selling, they are waiting to see how things develop. But I know that there are a lot of people that are itching to either downsize or just make a move for whatever reason. They're, they're just playing things out or waiting to see yeah. how things play out a little. Yeah, it seems like people are just ready to, ready to keep living. You know, a lot of people, I get that, especially now. So May 26th today uh, that we're recording this, um, you know, people were out on the weekend and large number in Toronto and yeah. made the paper. Uh, everybody's out on their bikes, walking, you know, running around. Everybody wants to, you know, obviously live life uh, and, and continue and uh, as they should. Um, you know, we just got to be responsible about it and figure out, figure a way, but, uh, okay. So let's, uh, let's dig in a little bit more. So you're dealing mostly with investors or a mix as a realtor. Are you, are you a little mix of, yeah, I'm pretty mixed. I would say maybe like 33% investors and the rest would be like your regular homeowner homeowners. Yeah. Um, and how is that business driven for you? Just uh, out of curiosity, is that mostly referral based or do you, uh, do you do advertising? 
so most of my business from the last year or from the last couple of years has been purely referral based. Uh, but lately, so I joined Keller Williams back in November and I've been doing a lot of uh, cold calling as well. And I've been able to add quite a few people. So I know that uh, it takes a little while to convert that into into deals, mm-hmm. but it, it will be coming as well. So lots of cold calling lately. Yeah, I, I, I talked to a lot of Keller Williams agents that, uh, that, that rave about it. Uh, that's for sure. Um, is that, are you enjoying the experience over there so far? Yeah, KW's a... Uh, it's a very unique place. I, I've been to a few brokerages. I've learned from from different ones. Well, not a few, only two other ones. But um, yeah, it, the people at Keller Williams are, are pretty awesome. Awesome. And then obviously Gary Keller um, founded the company and has all the you know the books that uh, that have a lot of really uh, great wisdom. I have have not uh, actually. I've read half of. Uh, the uh, investor, the real estate investor one. Oh yeah. In our real estate investor. Pretty long book. (laughs) It's long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Okay. So looking at your portfolio, uh, if we wanted to take a snapshot of it today, what does it look like? Yeah. So I have uh, two single family homes. I'm closing on a fiveplex right now. Okay. In Welland. And uh, I'm also working on a fourplex in St. Catharines. Okay. You got a fiveplex and working going to be closing on a, a fourplex or, well, or you're, you're, be, you're hoping closing to on the fiveplex. I'm working on towards okay. that, that fourplex. Okay. Yeah. So closing on that fiveplex. All right. And are these JVs or they're your own? Uh, so, so far what I have has been on my own, but uh, okay. definitely working. I, I, like I said, I've been working with an investor coach um, mm-hmm. and he's been really pushing me to towards joint joint ventures obviously yeah, yeah. I, I believe you're uh, you're with quentin uh yeah. if i'm not mistaken yeah and quentin was on this show right before um right before the whole virus shut down so um it was uh, it was nice to, to hear from him and and get his take on things um okay so let's uh let's talk about what you've done with those properties so where are those you have the one in hamilton are they both in hamilton yeah i have two in hamilton right now uh okay. very close to each other and uh the five plexes in welland Five plexes in Welland. Okay. Uh, let's talk about that five plex. Are, are you financing that residentially or did you have to go commercial on that? Yeah. Uh, residential through RBC. RBC is the only bank as far okay. as I know that will, that will do a five plex under a residential mortgage. Yeah. It used to be RBC and BMO would do uh, that. I'm not sure if BMO does anymore. I don't think they do. I don't think so. Yeah. And uh, actually they would even do six plexes. Uh, so very, very different, uh, time when that was, when that was available. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Uh, what's your plan with that? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's pretty rough, like cosmetically. So, um, there's lots of room to increase rents. They're (laughs) way under what they should be. Thankfully, one of the units will be vacant, uh, as soon as I take possession so that I'm going to fix it, rent it at market value and repeat that for couple other units and then refinance it. Okay. Um, I'm just going to pull up, like, I'm not like an expert on Welland, <laughs> but I just want to get an idea of the general area. Um, whereabouts in the, in the town are you, uh, have you bought? Yeah. So I'd be like on the, I guess the Northeast, uh, end of the downtown core. Okay. So is that, so the river, I'm trying to think of where the, the library is or the courthouse is where, uh, yeah. So from, with respect to the courthouse, north of that or? 
Uh, good question. I can't tell you that I'm a complete expert on the bridge. everything. In, in the, the main bridge. You know the bridge, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so like I said, it would be pretty much northeast of there. It's the northeast of there. Okay. Yeah. So and and from just, what I've been just, told, north is kind of better in, in Welland, is it, is it not? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as I know, like if you're close to the um, hospital... So if you're along like 6th Street, 5th Street, whatever, that, that you're going to get a lot of, um, I don't know, like C or D tenants. Okay. Yeah. So it's best to try to avoid that. But Welland is a smaller town. It's about 55,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's obviously growing and changing right now. Yeah. Like even like, batteries, you'd hope they'd come around as long as there's a reason for people to come there. Um, I like its proximity to a lot of things. I think Welland's, yeah. you know, good in a lot of ways. So, um, which we'll, we'll get into your thoughts on that, um, as well. Uh, but tell me about the building that, that you bought. You said cosmetically it's rough. It, that means structurally it's sound. What is it? Is it a purpose built or is it a house that was chopped up? Yeah, no, as far as I know, it was a purpose-built fiveplex. Um, I, I did a lot of research with the city of, of Welland. Um, so it was it was built in the 50s. And uh, it, I have the floor plans. The, the layouts are pretty good. Um, one of the units is 1,000 square feet. Two of the units are about 750. And then I have a bachelor that's about 550 square feet. And the last one's about 800. Okay, so like seven fifty on average, yeah, square feet around seven fifty. Okay, and are they like one? You have one bachelor, you said, um, yeah. one beds and two beds. Otherwise, or I have three one bedrooms and one two bedroom. Okay, and the one bachelor. Yeah. Okay, um, let's just kind of break down how you think those rents will go. So you got the bachelor, which you said is how big, roughly about five fifty square feet. Five fifty square yeah. feet. And what do you figure that'll rent for at market? Uh, so it depends on what I do to it, but I plan on like fully renovating it. So I'd say probably around nine to nine fifty a month plus hydro. Okay, so if you're doing nine hundred a month on that, what do you have to do? You got to do quartz, or do you just got to tidy it up? Um, so I, I would probably put in a new kitchen, but I would go with like an IKEA kitchen. You can you can get an IKEA kitchen for like a thousand bucks. Oh, so it's really small then. The what the kitchen? Yeah, because like a thousand bucks even at IKEA is still relatively a small kitchen, I would think. Well, honestly, I learned this from from another real estate agent. He told me about these IKEA like pre built cabinets that they have. They're not in their kitchen section. You have to kind of uh, I forget what they call them, but uh, yeah, you can get like a full regular sized kitchen with upper and lower cabinets. It comes with uh, a wooden countertop and a sink for about 800 bucks. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay. So, so yeah, that's, that's dirt cheap. So, so you don't need to go over the top or would you replace the flooring in the unit? Yeah. Uh, go with vinyl. So I, I've got a spec sheet that I've, that I've prepared and I've got all the materials in there that I'd be using, but yeah. Um, okay. vinyl flooring. So vinyl flooring, are you going to like replace the tub and backsplash and toilet or, or leave all that stuff alone? I think I'm going to try to avoid replacing the tub if possible, like any anything like that that requires a lot of labor. If possible, if it's in decent shape, I'll, I'll avoid it. Uh, maybe just get it refinished. Uh, bathroom, probably just change the floors and vanity. And yeah, yeah. The, the thing that's going to be a little bit more expensive to do will be uh, wiring. So putting in, I think some of the units based on my home inspector, he said that they have sub panels, but the ones that don't, I'm going to have to get them rewired, uh, put in a new sub panel and maybe do some plumbing too. Okay. So you told me that the tenants are going to pay, uh, they're paying their electric, right? 
No, so they're not. They're, they're not, not right now. It's all inclusive. Okay. So what you want to do is separate the utilities then? Just the hydro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So everybody, is it a boiler system for, for heat? No, it's actually a furnace. So, so really forest air furnace, forest yeah. like a, one of those gravity furnaces. I don't know. It was just a m- massive old furnace. It looks like it's from the eighties or something. Are you replacing that? Uh, I, I will eventually, if it's going right now, then I'll leave it. But, okay. Yeah. All right. So you've got a uh, batch, one bed, one bed, one bed, and then a two bed. Mm. And, uh, what do you think those uh, one beds are going to go for? Yeah, so uh, I did a bit of research myself. I also reached out to a property manager that I work with in the area. And uh, based on what I see, one bedrooms will go for about 1100 a month plus hydro, maybe even a little bit higher than that. Okay. And what would, uh, like, just so people know, like a, a lot of people like ask me like, oh, what's a fair rent? And I have my responses that I, I tell people, but what would you tell them if they wanted to do their research and find a fair rent in, a, in an area they're not familiar with? Uh, find a property manager, ask them if they're, if you have a relationship with them, they'll, they'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Like they'll just give you an answer. Awesome. Yeah. So that's one of the things you could do. The other thing you could do, uh, even easier, you know, go on Facebook marketplace, see what people have ads up for. It's not a be all and end all. Like mm-hmm. sometimes people will over advertise, but I believe you can see number of views on an ad. Um, so if you could do that, I mean, people don't look at ads that don't make sense. So, um, yeah. you know, if the, if the price is within reason, they'll probably have a bunch of views on it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a, a good point to start at. And then of course, yeah, make some connections, call some property managers mm-hmm. and you can, you can certainly take it to the For next For sure. Uh, the thing I would say though, uh, about like looking on Facebook Marketplace or Kijiji or whatnot, you want to try to be mindful that just like in real estate sales, a lot of times when you talk to somebody who wants to sell their home, they'll say, well, these homes on my street have listed for this price, whatever, mm-hmm. but the list price and the actual sale price, or in this case, yeah. the rental price it can differ. So, so make sure, sure you, you have multiple sources. Oh yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't take that, um, in a literal sense, like, I'll, but I'll look, if I don't see anything listed for under 1700, mm-hmm. then that's a pretty good indication that my rents are at least that. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you see one outlier, that's a bunch higher than a whole bunch of other lower ones. And then now you got to start digging deeper and asking more questions. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and from my, like from my end, I have access to uh, the real estate board too. So if any mm-hmm. if any listings were on MLS, I can see that. But um, that isn't always the best indicator because I think property managers mm-hmm. do a better job of of renting out homes than realtors do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In general, I would say so. Yeah, because that's what they do, right? They're specialized. Yeah. You know, they're just going to know more. Um, Another reason to get out to meetup groups when those resume or do the virtual uh, events. And I really need to get uh, get back on doing that, uh, figure out a way to do our our Greater Hamilton uh, meetup virtually. because then you can talk to other investors and you can figure out what they're doing real time. Hey, we just rented ours out for this. Okay, great. Add it to the knowledge bank. Now I know. Uh, Okay. So two bed, what are you thinking? Well, the two bedroom is actually in the basement. So um, I think that's going to kind of lower the the price a little bit, but I, I would say probably like 11 to 1200 as well. Yeah. Let's just say 1100 to be conservative. Yeah. Um, so two bad basement. High ceilings down there? Yep. It's got high ceilings. Okay. okay so you're anticipating doing wiring, Ikea kitchens throughout on all the units? All the units are going to look the exact same. Okay. Uh, vinyl floors. Mm-hmm and um lighting fixtures and a couple other things or or no yeah uh pretty much like basic finishes i'm not going with anything luxurious or whatnot okay what's it what's your budget for all those rentals so if i'm if i'm not doing electrical 
and plumbing, it's going to be for just cosmetic stuff about 15,000 a unit. 15,000 a unit. Okay. So on a low end, we're thinking 15,000 times five, uh, 75,000 on the high end. What do you think? On, I, on the high end, if I'm doing everything, uh, sub panels, all that, yeah, it's about 30,000 a unit. Okay. So that, that's a quite, quite the difference. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a sense of where you're going to be? Um, so I guess it depends because I, I will be, um, it depends how things play out, but I, I'm leaning towards kind of the, the 15,000 if I'm doing this on my own. So, okay. Yeah. What, you are doing it on your own, are you? Or do you have a partner on that right one? Right now I'm doing it on my own. I'm okay. still open to working with someone. So, okay. We'll when are you closing? You said relatively soon. Yeah. June 4th. June 4th. Okay. So you already have your mortgage lined up. You're, you're ready to go. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's dig into some numbers. So what's your purchase price on that one? I originally got it under contract for uh, 475 and then it was later reduced to 445. Okay, so you found some deficiencies and you negotiated the price down? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so purchase for 445, uh you're figuring so we'll call it a reno uh somewhere between 75 and 150 if we wanted to be conservative. We'll mm. we'll, we'll perform some sensitivity on that number. Let's just say it is the 150. Yeah. Um, in a worst case here. So if we do, so purchase plus renovations, and I'm assuming that that would probably cover your carrying costs in there too, or do you, would that be on top? What you're referring to the 30,000. So if it is, yeah. So if 30,000 unit, that's 150 grand, or are you going to think you're going to have to do uh, carrying costs on top of that? You can't really count for carrying costs because the units are, aren't vacant. They're already filled. So okay. they're going to be, yeah. It's oh, be okay. Over. So yeah, I'm kind of doing a hypothetical if you were to just run it, run it all yeah. out um, at once. And I think that's the cleaner way to kind of just look at it as an analysis. And then we'll talk mm-hmm. qualitatively uh, about how the fact that you can't do it all at once, you know, it affects you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're basically looking at something where you would have um, an overall rent, a hypothetical, like a pro forma rent. If you were to re-rent everything at 5,300. Yeah. I think I had 5,500 in my. Okay. Yeah. So if we're, I'm being a little conservative here. I went, yeah, I went sure. on the low end of your range on a couple. So this is pro forma. Um, what are you, uh, what is it at now? So one's vacant. Which one is vacant? It's not vacant yet. It's going to oh, be it's going vacant to be. as of June first. Um, but the rents right now are okay. thirty-eight fifty a month. Thirty-eight fifty. Okay. Yeah. So we won't bother getting into the unit breakdowns, but mm. okay. So let's just pull up a cash flow sheet here. You're going to make me pull up my cash flow sheet just to so make sure I get everything right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just you know. Curious, like just perform some sensitivity, see how things change if we change our numbers. I just got my cash flow sheet up here, and um, anybody wants a copy of that, you can grab it from my website, um, andrew-hines.com. And um, if you do grab that sheet, just know there are some hidden cells, so just unhide them, and uh, it'll allow you to access vacancy and all that stuff. Okay, so what would your taxes be on that place? Uh, you want monthly or annual? Annual. Annual tax forty six thirty eight, forty six thirty eight, um, and insurance on something like that. I'm assuming you're over three thousand. Yeah, it's just about three thousand. Okay. Um, maintenance on something like that. What are you budgeting? So I have eight uh, percent for vacancy, and I have six percent for repairs. Okay. Or maintenance. Okay. So 
All right. So we'll perform some sensitivity on both of those numbers. Just see, um, I like to do that as a, uh, kind of a, a piece of my analysis to say, Hey, what if, what, what things could I potentially be wrong about and how much would that affect my numbers if I am wrong about them? Sure. Um, okay. So management, what are you figuring for that? Well, I'm going to be managing it for now myself. Okay. Once the units are turned over, I'll, I'll probably switch okay. it over someone. So I'll keep it down to 1% on management for now mm-hmm. because you'll maybe just have the odd expense. Um, okay. So in terms of um, utilities, what do you yeah. figure you're going to, did you get some utilities bills yeah. to confirm? Yeah. So it's not an exact number because obviously it depends on the month, but on average, I have about 770 a month because it's all inclusive. Wow. Those are some hefty utility bills. Wow. That's right. Yeah. So part of my goal is going to be to reduce that. Right. And that's, that's why I'm going to sub panel potentially. Um, yeah. And just try to do what I can to reduce the water expenses, all that. Is that, is that the big driver? Is water the big driver there? Uh, no, it's hydro. Hydro is the biggest thing that, that I can switch over because I have about 300 a month for hydro. Water is about 266 a month. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, because I, I mean, I guess it's not that bad when you think, when you think about the fact that it's five units, but it's only one heat source. And you think when you're, when you're only one heat source, you should get some efficiencies there. Well, there, there's, some of the units have gas uh, ranges too. Gas ranges, okay. Mm. Um, which shouldn't really cost you that much. I'm wondering if there's some older appliances that might be uh, drawing more more electricity or mm. um, or something like that. I feel like you can get that number down. Yeah, most likely. I'm, I'll, I'll dig into it a little bit more once I take possession. Yeah. In in context, it's really not that bad because it's five units. You know, I have to I have to put it in context. We are we are spreading that over a five unit building. Um, okay. Um, and what do you got for a budget for snow removal, grass cutting, garbage removal, any of that stuff? Well, I, I haven't really put too much. I, I think right now, one of the tenants, it's part of their, their lease. They, they take care of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have to figure a little bit, figure yeah. out a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I mean, one of my properties, I pay 1200 a year. So it's a hundred bucks plus tax yeah. a month. Uh, and that covers me for snow removal and landscaping. It's a really small property though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you'd probably be able to get that kind of a deal in, in well in like a hundred bucks a month to take care of it. So even call it 1300 a year, uh, including tax or maybe ballpark in there. I think that's definitely doable. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So now what's your, uh, you said your purchase price was 400 and change 445. Yeah. Okay. So 445 plug that in. Um, okay. And then did you get an 80%? first mortgage? I did. 30-year amortization? I did. Okay. And what was your interest rate? So it's prime minus 0.5. Prime minus 0.5. And a prime right now is uh, 2.95, right? No, it's 2.45. Oh, okay. So you're uh, 1.85 then? 1.95. 1.95, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing about RBC. They When I first started the mortgage app, the prime rate was uh, 3.95. It was a spread on prime though. So prime kept dropping and you kept benefiting from the uh, from the drop. Yeah. However, one thing I learned about RBC throughout this process is that they don't adjust the monthly mortgage payment based on the prime rate. Instead, right. the, the payment remains the same. However, mm-hmm. it impacts your amortization period. Yeah. And... Uh, 
I believe that's the difference between variable and adjustable. Uh, so I believe you have to get adjustable and I could be wrong on that. It's, you know, I'm not in tune with the mortgage world as much as I once was. Um, but uh, adjustable would be the one that would, the payment would actually change. So when I was with Scotiabank on one of my mortgages, when prime rate changed, the payment actually changed. Mm-hmm. But uh, all of my variable rate mortgages now, the payment stayed the same. I'm just paying off more every month. Right. Which right. I'm sort of okay with that. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you know, on the other side of it, I wouldn't really want to be paying more just cause the interest rates went up. So, uh, okay. So looking at the numbers you gave me, um, put it in context. So taxes, you, uh, did you give me a number for taxes? I did. Yeah. Yeah. The 46, uh, 38. Okay. Yeah. J- just making sure I didn't have that number left in there from before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I've got taxes at 46, 38. I've got insurance at 3000 maintenance. You said 8% that works out to be about 5,000 bucks management. I got 600 bucks in there. 1%. Um, for uh, utilities, I've got 9240 which is $770 times 12 months. And then snow and grass, I've put in 1300 So mm-hmm. um, cap rate, I've been talking about cap rate lately. Uh, and cap rate for, uh, for people who aren't familiar, um, of course, you can always Google it. But if, if you're uh, familiar with what your net operating income that, that is, that's just operating income divided by uh, your purchase price comes up with that percentage. So cap rate of 7.78 is pretty solid. You, I mean, in Toronto, people were seeing like 2% cap rates at one point, uh, two and a half. So that's pretty good. I'm, I'm seeing a cash flow on this building for you of, of uh, 1,578.60. Now, that's, are you talking about without the debt service? I'm seeing that with, so based on 50, so that's, sorry, that's based on, uh, potential rents. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what it could be. However, if we, if we focus on what it is currently, you said it's at 38, 30, uh, 50, 50. So that I just gave you guys, uh, what it would be if it was, uh, if it was, uh, the pro forma, what, what the potential rents are. If we go based on the current rents, um, then you are, Getting well, the only thing that would have changed. So we we based our maintenance and management on the percentage. So those numbers actually decreased a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but your cash flow would be three hundred seventy five bucks. That's yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So um, some of the variables we'll talk about in a second. I'll get into that. Well, one, what kind of renovation do you have to do? Like, so you're you're figuring you're figuring. Uh, so we said one hundred fifty thousand to do all that, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And if you do that, you can get the hypothetical rent. So let's look at it as two different scenarios. Okay. So in the renovation scenario, I'm just going to go ahead and add in the money to renovate. So let's say it was 150,000. Let's see, would you try and burr that if if you did do the renovation? A hundred percent. Yeah. So you would end up burring it. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't burr it, let's just say, uh, assume, let's just assume that your, your appreciation stays at around 3%. I know it's been more, but we're, we're going through some weird times right now. So, um, if you didn't burr it and you, you ended up putting in that 150,000, uh, you'd have a return around 16%. So it's not going to be as good. The key there is going to be able to, you know, being able to go back and pull that money back out so that we're calculating a return on a smaller amount. Cause uh, it looks like you had to put in approximately, um, well, off the bat, you're putting in about a hundred thousand on this. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So 96,000. And then if you add 150 on that, you're in for 246,000. So you're going to want to be able to pull that money back out, um, to increase your return. So if we, so say you could pull out 150, mm-hmm. then what that's going to do, if you can pull that 150 right back out, then that drives your return up to 43%. And that's in that hypothetical scenario of you getting 
all those units rented out for the top dollar we're talking about, Mm -hmm. um, getting $5,300 a month uh, in total, or maybe even a bit more. But when you're getting into 40 plus percent returns, you're, you're doing something right. Exactly. Do what do yeah. you figure your value would be? Like what if you did that 150 in rental? I say it does cost that much, and you mm-hmm. get those rentals up. Like you're buying for 445. Where are you going to be at the end of that? Yeah. So that's that's a bit of a challenging part because we're we're in a small town. So I haven't uh, to this point I haven't come across any fully renovated fiveplexes in town. A lot of them mm-hmm. are in decent shape, uh, but like if I were to because it is a fiveplex, I could get a commercial mortgage. So if yeah. I were to base it on a cap rate of about five percent, which is what I'm seeing in, in that area, okay, the the numbers are pretty ridiculous. Like I, I think the last time I checked, it'd be worth over eight hundred thousand. And I, personally, I would go that route. Like mm-hmm. especially if you don't have a gun to your head, you can leave the money in there. Um, you know, work your way through that commercial application process. It takes longer. It could take mm-hmm. you know several months to go through an application, um, but you know, if that gets you a, a brand new mortgage that you can keep long term, if you're planning on keeping the property, it might might just be worth it. Mm-hmm. Especially to get access to that money. So, say hypothetically, you did get the eight hundred thousand appraisal mm-hmm. times point seven five. They wouldn't give you eighty percent unless you went CMHC. So that would be six hundred thousand. So you'd basically have a perfect burr at that point because yep. if you're doing four hundred forty five thousand purchase plus one hundred fifty reno, uh, that equals uh, five hundred ninety five thousand. 600 would be your, your pullout if you got an $800,000 appraisal. And uh, so you'd, you'd more or less be in for, for zero. You'd have, yeah, pretty much. Like I'd have like 20 grand in or whatever. So. Yeah. So in that type of scenario, now your return is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, if we're adjusting our mortgage in that scenario, then you're going to be, um, you know, things are going to change a little bit. So I can even run that scenario here one more time. <laughs> Hopefully this isn't over everybody's heads driving in their car trying to follow these numbers. I'll try and break it down. So, so if you if you go commercial, typically commercial lenders uh, limit you to a twenty five year amortization uh, and seventy five percent loan to value. So, so what that does is it has a negative effect on your cash flow. You're gonna you're gonna have less cash flow, but you're gonna have uh, more principal pay down, and you're gonna pay off your mortgage faster, which is obviously a benefit. So, let's just run these numbers. And see what that looks like for a cash flow standpoint. Your interest rate is probably going to be closer to say three point five percent, maybe even closer to four if you go that route. But let's say three point seven five percent because commercial is a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I think you're going to end up probably not pulling out the full amount because if if it was a full six hundred, you'd actually have negative cash flow, like negative two hundred bucks or something. Mm. So. Um, Again, that's only one scenario. So you can look at like, for instance, with commercial lending, you can actually insure it with CMHC and then you can amortize it longer. So instead of 25 years, if you were, if you would be able to even just keep the loan to value the same and amortize it over 30 years, um, now all of a sudden see goes even higher than that. They'll go to 50 years. I've heard. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, there's a diminishing return there after a certain, after a certain amount, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really increase your cash flow that much, but say you went to 40 years, you could increase that cash flow to, to 500 bucks. So there's, there's definitely some, some room to play around with the numbers. And and I encourage anyone listening at home, grab the cash flow sheet, work, play around with it, see the different scenarios, um, what it looks like if you change your amortization, change your interest rate, change your loan to value. Um, and then of course, sensitivity on your other numbers. So 
we've said that you would have let's just look at cash flow without without looking at um, you know refinancing so basically we said eight percent maintenance well that's five thousand dollars we'll say something comes up what if you end up at 15 percent maintenance well that would take your cash flow down from 1500 down to 12 1200 a month so um I like to just perform sensitivity on that kind of thing and vacancy. Like what happens if you have a bad year, you know, maybe instead of 8%, it's 15%. Again, you know, that's taking your, your cash flow down a few hundred dollars. But if we're talking cash flow of 1500 a month, then you, you've kind of got some room there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you, uh, what you do with the place. Are you okay leaving money in there if need be? Uh, I don't want to leave too much. Like I, I don't want to leave uh, 150 grand in there, but yeah, um, yeah if, it, if it ends up being a little bit, then I'm perfectly fine with that. Okay. So what, uh, like, what's your, your game plan with it then? Like what, what are the timeframes? What, you know, when are you expecting to refi? How, how are you expecting this to play out? Well, obviously the sooner the better if I can refi, but um, if it ends up being like a three to five year project, then I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, I do have a long-term mindset. So um, that's, that's the expectation. If it ends up going, being sooner, uh, being done sooner, then I'm perfectly happy with that too. Okay. Well, I mean, the big variable I see in your plan is, is tenants and when they leave. Yeah. And also the LTB uh, reopening, right? Yeah. Uh, are the tenants there right now all paying? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, I know a lot of them are like on assistance or pension or whatever. So they're getting yeah. government checks. So what's your thought if the rest of them just say, Hey, I'm not going to leave. Doesn't that mean that you're going to be leaving money in there? If they don't want to leave? Well, uh, there are options. I can pay them to leave there. There's all sorts. Of, uh, it would be worth it to pay potentially depending on how much for, uh, for a tenant who doesn't want to leave and then just re- renovating that unit and changing the rents. Yeah. So you can, I, I agree with you. It's not that I don't agree with you, but I mean, if you're in that scenario, the as is scenario, currently thirty eight fifty a a month is your rent. Um, you know, you're you're cash flowing, not a lot, but you are cash flowing. Uh, yeah, if, and if you get that one unit over, turned over and you increase your rents by what three hundred bucks or whatever it is, yeah, um, probably like four or five hundred. Yeah, so th- well, then you just add four or five hundred to your cash flow. So yeah, um, it's not that painful to wait if you have to. Mm-hmm. The problem is. Um, you know, you are going to be leaving money in the, in the interim, right? So if, if that one unit turns vacant, you're going to put 30,000 into it or 15 to 30,000 into mm-hmm. it. And then that money's just kind of got to sit. And then, because you're not going to refi after each renovation, right? You're probably going to want to wait until the end and refi all five together, right? Well, that, that's the cool thing about uh, working with Quinton. He, he helped set me up in a way where I have access to lines of credit. So mm-hmm. if I wanted to go for that $30,000 renovation, I, I can. And whatever interest I, I pay from the line of credit will be covered by the property. Right. Uh, it's just a matter of like just figuring out exactly what strategy I want to go with and, yeah. and just being a little bit careful because of the times right now and not over leveraging. Yeah. And I got that. So did you like apply to like Scotiabank and get some uh, unsecured line of credit or something like that? Not just Scotiabank, but a bunch of banks. Yeah. So I, I got, <laughs> so you just went to all of them and got a yeah. bunch of lines. Yeah. yeah I've heard yeah. of that strategy. You just go out the same day and you just go apply to every single bank for an unsecured line. Hey, yeah. if each one gives you 10 K from the big five banks, that's 50,000 bucks. Exactly. Yeah. Key thing there to note is that you got to be careful with your credit. Cause if you mm-hmm. over, if you overextend those past 75% of their limits, it will have a negative effect in your credit. Yeah. I think it might even be less than that. I don't know what the exact well, number is, but yeah, you definitely have to be careful. So I've been told by Equifax that it was 75, but keep in mind, if, if you're at 75%, when your interest calculates and adds on, you're over 75 and then it reports that you're over. So then it's going to start bringing your credit down. So you want to be careful. Like, 
like I try and keep mine no more than 70 if I'm using it. Yeah. Um, well, the other question that I, I was wondering is, um, so is it your credit for that specific line of credit or is it the total credit you have available? Like, let's say, do they factor in the credit cards you have with them and whatever else? I'm sure they do both, but I, I would be hesitant to say that you're good to go on one max it out if the rest aren't. Um, the way I understand it to be is that it's per line. So if, if you're over 75% at any point in time when the interest calculates or not on a single line, my understanding is that it has a negative effect. It would be great if it's what you're saying, where if it's just all of your unsecured credit, as long as you're under 75%, hey, that'd be mm. fantastic. So yeah. uh, great question. I'd love some clarity on that too. Um, I'm, I'm really not, not certain on that one. So that's a good question. Yeah. If anyone knows some of our mortgage brokers listening, so I know Dustin or, um, or maybe uh, Jacob Perez can, uh, can let us know. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Is there any sort of wisdom that you'd like to share with somebody? I know you're kind of, you're taking the deep dive, right? And I know, you know, working with Quentin's probably helping with that, that you're, you're, you know, it's, it's giving you that push. Talk to me a little bit about the coaching and, and what you'd recommend to somebody and, and how worth it it is, uh, or if you would recommend it. Yeah, I've worked uh, with coaches in the past in, in my real estate business, like to help me with sales and stuff. And uh, there was good value in it, but I always felt like, it wasn't fully worth what I was paying, but working with Quentin has been worth every penny. I'll, I'll, honestly, he helped me totally transform just my investing, um, helped me advance so much and put the systems in place. And I would really, really recommend if you are serious about investing and you're ready to take action, work with a coach. Yeah. You got, you got to be ready to take action. If you don't do anything with it, you won't get the value out of oh, it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You got to, you got to be ready to hustle and, and be hungry. That's, that's the key and not no excuses either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And cause like working with Quentin, he gave me a lot to do. Like the yeah. first couple of weeks he would tell me like, do this, 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 it was like, I'm sure a lot of people would feel overwhelmed and I, I felt that way too at times, but I just did it. I spent the time, yeah. I, I committed to it and it was so worth it. So what are your highest value activities as an investor now? Now that you've been going through the coaching, what are you think, seeing as like really high value activities? Yeah, well, since I'm being coached by Quentin, I'll just repeat what he says. He talks about uh, finding deals, funding deals, and um, I forget what the last one was. <laughs> I think but, it's the operations part, right? Yeah, probably. Or, or refinancing, one or the other. Yeah, so like finding... Um, Either you work with someone to help you find a deal or you do it yourself through marketing campaigns or whatever else. Uh, funding. So either you're setting yourself up to qualify for mortgages or you're working with a partner, finding partners that are, are going to do that. And um, yeah, I don't know what the last one was. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bugging me too because I should know it. I should know yeah. what, it, what it is. But uh, yeah, so those are obviously a big and then you've, you know, just going to the different banks and getting set up with those lines. That's, that's huge. Now you've got access to that capital. Um, um, what I found out at Scotiabank is that they would actually convert credit cards into line of credit space. Cause I had some credit cards with them. I was going to close them and they're like, Oh, do you really want to close them? You can just convert them into a line. And I basically assembled a whole bunch of credit cards into a $50,000 line of credit. Wow. Which is I had no idea you could do that. That's awesome. kind of cool. Apparently the other banks don't allow it, but they do. And I, I found at the time they were really, really aggressive at giving unsecured credit. They would constantly send me emails with an offer. Hey, here's another $20,000 credit card. I'm like, great. My line of credit just went up $20,000. Wow. So, so uh, it's useful stuff, to, right? Yeah. And one thing that I, I will share on that. Um, so I started applying for these lines of credit before COVID happened. Mm -hmm. 
now that I now that I think about it, if I had waited or procrastinated a little bit, I wouldn't have been in the situation because I don't think it's as easy to get credit right now. No, they're they're tightening up. You see it happening. There's a couple of rule changes here and there, and and why wouldn't they? Right? They're they're kind of being conservative because they know there's a good chance that you know market goes down. This is unprecedented. What's happened right now? I mean, we're all just kind of acting like it's normal, but I mean, we've shut down an economy. That's that's there's nothing normal about that, unfortunately. So yeah, exactly. So we'll have to. We'll hopefully, hopefully see that turn around. And uh, I think there's a good potential that some low-end markets still go up in value despite it. Uh, I think some really high-priced markets are probably going to see an adjustment downward. And I'm hoping it's not too much for, uh, you know, for our, our investors that are in Toronto. I'm hoping that they can uh, they can keep as much of their value that they've uh, they've speculated to get <laughs> as possible because yeah, I don't I don't want to see um, you know see people upset by that. Right. So. We'll see what happens anyways. But uh, any, any other words of wisdom uh, before we wrap up here? Uh, no, I don't know. I guess I, I shared everything. But um, maybe one last thing would just be to like, just something that I had to do is just face my fears. Uh, I know that even throughout everything that's happening, I could have walked away from this biplex. I, I was still under uh, due diligence condition, but mm-hmm. I decided to press forward. So I think that's going to, uh, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And I, I'm glad that I was able to push forward and that's great, man. Well, hey, you've got good cash flow there. Uh, even even if you don't do anything, you're cash flowing, and that's a that's a place you want to be, right? To have something. Now, sorry, I say good. Like, I mean, we're obviously you're going to want to get that up over three seventy five. But when you re rent that unit, uh, you're going to immediately see a bump. So now you're going to be up close to a thousand bucks. It doesn't hurt so bad to wait when you got uh, when you got a thousand bucks cash exactly. flow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. Okay, so George, if people would like to reach reach out to you or follow you, where should we send them? So you can check me out on Instagram, well off X. So that's uh, W-E-L-L-O-F-F-X. You can also go to welloff.ca or I do have a podcast myself, the Well Off Podcast. So you can check it out um, pretty much on every platform. Yeah. Yeah. You can just search it on uh, iTunes. Are you on, are you on uh, uh, YouTube as well? I'm on YouTube, Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Uh, basically everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and sharing your, your journey and, and congrats on the fiveplex, man. That's uh that's great progress. And it's nice to, to see you moving along. And, uh, yeah, I, I know you've gotten a ton of great guests on your podcast. Uh, so everyone listening to this, uh, by all means, go check out, uh, George's podcast as well. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I'll get you to send me your, uh, your, your handles anyway, and I'll put them in the, the description for, uh, for the podcast. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, George. Thanks for watching today's episode. Just a friendly reminder to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you smash the like and subscribe and notification bell. Uh, And also leave a comment. And hey, while you're at it, why not share this episode with somebody you think it could help? It helps this podcast grow and I would really appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode.